What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tana Demling here with y'all. As always, did not have a show on Thursday. Was not able to get to recording last week, uh, but we'll have a show Tuesday, Thursday this week. Uh, coming to y'all here from Louisville, Kentucky on Tuesday night, December 6th. And uh, we've had a lot of schedules released since the last time I've recorded a podcast. Cornell, Syracuse, Army, Michigan uh, released theirs. Mount St. Mary's, a, a plethora. Binghamton, High Point releasing theirs today, as well as uh, Holy Cross, NJIT yesterday, and, and plenty of others. We've had a ton of schedules. Uh, flying off the shelves this week, uh, the past couple of days, uh, really since last week. And uh, we're going to break down a couple of those today. On Thursday's show, there will be exclusively uh, scheduled preview uh, and looking at some of the ones that we don't talk about today. We'll talk about Syracuse and Cornell, which I, I feel are the two biggest that we've seen announced uh, thus far this past uh, week or so. So we'll talk about those. On today's show, uh, also want to hit on uh, some pieces that I, I wrote about last week in terms of underrated, under the radar, sneaky, whatever you want to call it, uh, players and or teams uh, heading into the 2023 season. So let's get right into that. And uh, I'm going to start here with my article with, uh, let's get the title right here, five under the radar teams to watch out for in 2023. And uh, I have five teams on here, but I want to specifically talk about two today on the podcast. Again, you can go lacrossebucket.com and read that. You can listen to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. But lacrossebucket.com is where you can get all your latest lacrosse news and notes. And where I have this article up from last week was published on November 29th, so a little bit down the page. But uh, two teams I want to mention here uh, as that I kind of pegged as under-the-radar teams heading into the season that uh, y'all need to be watching out for. Uh, number one is the Hofstra Pride. And I talked about this a little bit when we previewed Hofstra's schedule. Uh, they've got a pretty tough schedule this year. Uh, Syracuse is on that. Obviously, Stony Brook is a conference game. Uh, the CAA is always uh, tricky. The CAA is always crazy. Um, and Hofstra you know, helped contribute to that craziness last year, getting wins over Delaware and Towson, uh, who, who were you know the two best teams in the league when it was all said and done. Uh, they also, their other losses, they went two and three in CAA play, six and nine overall. The other the three losses in CAA play only came uh, by you know um, average of three points, I believe. There, so they were not that far off, despite being uh, very much in a rebuilding year after all they lost there uh, from that 2021 squad uh, with Cuny on it. And uh, this is a team that really had to undergo a lot of change, both offensively, defensively. Uh, this season, though, coming into 2023, they don't really lose a lot. Um, the biggest 
loss this team has really is Brian McIntosh on defense. The uh, grad transfer from Mount St. Mary's was phenomenal uh, with, with the Mountaineers and then phenomenal last season in his one year with the Pride. Uh, this team returns Gerard Kane. This team returns Roy Jones. Both all rookie selections in the CAA last year. Uh, Gerard Kane uh, led the Hofstra Pride last season. 23 goals, 15 assists was the quarterback of that offense. Roy Jones, 20 goals, 8 assists, one of the top shooters. You also get Matt Gates back there in goal. 180 saves, 52.3% save percentage, was an all-conference selection last season. I mentioned the Hofstra schedule that we, we kind of broke down uh, later uh, a few weeks ago, uh, about a month ago now, but Navy, Michigan, Syracuse, Villanova, Richmond, all on that non-conference slate. It's a tough non-conference slate for Hofstra. They're going to have plenty of opportunities to get ready for CAA play. They're going to have plenty of opportunities possibly surprise somebody there in that non-conference slate uh, and, and have some really good competitive games against some other uh, good teams here. You're also going to have, as I mentioned, that CAA play. Um, and remember, it's an expanded CAA. You lose UMass, but you do add Hampton, Monmouth, and Stony Brook in that Stony Brook game, especially the Long Island rivalry there between those two. Excited to see that one in CAA play now in league play for these teams. Uh, Hofstra, a team certainly uh, that I think is kind of underrated under the radar coming into the season and could very well uh, be a team that uh, shocks some people and makes some noise in the CAA uh, in 2023, uh, you know, coming out of last year, which I kind of pegged as a rebuilding year for the Pride. Uh, another team that kind of keeping on this theme of just building is uh, the Siena Saints. And uh, Siena, if you remember, you know, 2020 had a solid, you know, 2019 season, year one under Liam Gleason. 2020 was cut short. Um, they had a decent start to that year. And then 2021, uh, they went winless in that conference only slate. And, uh, you know, Coming into last season, you, you wanted to see, okay, what is how does this team progress? How do they bounce back? After a winless season, I was very much confident they could bounce back, and they did. Uh, they go 6-9 and nine overall, 3-3 three and three in the MAC, and uh, they, they make the postseason. They, they beat St. Bonaventure in regular season play, uh, who, who was the favorite to win the league uh, at that time as the number one seed. The only uh, regular season loss for St. Bonaventure uh, came against Siena. Uh, they would later lose to the Bonnies in the semifinals of, excuse me, in the uh, quarterfinals, I believe, of the uh, MAC tournament. Uh, but semifinals, not quarterfinals. Uh, but, but they they eventually lost to them. But they did uh, beat them in the regular season. And look, each of their three MAC losses, they went three and three there. That included that same Bonaventure win. Those three MAC losses, Canisius, Marist, and Manhattan. I'd say Canisius was a bad loss for them. Um, and then Marist, you know, they were right up there fighting for the title as well as Manhattan, who won the title. So this was not a bad season for Siena. Obviously, you want to have a winning record, but not a bad year, especially for a team coming off a winless season. And uh, you look at what they returned. So Jack Cunin is gone. 
And that's going to be an issue. They lose some pieces on defense as well. Keenan, the leading scorer. Um, and they do lose some pieces on defense as well at close. Uh, but seeing what Cien has done in the past um, with their defenses and seeing what the MAC is as a defensive heavy league, I very much think they can replace that pretty easily, uh, those losses they do have. Um, and also defensively, I'm very confident in Chris Yankowitz, the uh, goalie there. 210 saves, 57.4% save percentage. Uh, the, you know, he, he's been playing out of his mind his entire career, has not gotten a lot, enough love as it is. Um, and coming in this season now, obviously, Brett Dobson graduated at St. Bonaventure, who's not even in the league anymore. Uh, Brennan Krebs gone at Manhattan. Uh, Noah Lode at Monmouth was another top goalie in the MAC last season. He graduated, but Monmouth's not in the league anymore either in, in CAA. Chris Anchorist comes into a league that's had a lot of really good goalies in recent history. He was one of the best last year. And, I mean, for, for my money, he's the best goalie in the MAC this season. Chris Anchorist is. Um, you also have Dylan uh, Pape, the uh, faceoff man, went 53% last season. You also have Christian Watts and Pratt Reynolds, uh, two young guns there on offense that uh, killed it last season. Pratt Reynolds, 38, 33 goals, eight assists. Christian Watts, 32 goals, eight assists. Both guys looking to lead that offense once again here in 2023 for the Saints. And uh, the MAC, another league that is expanding. Obviously, you've got Sabre Hart, BMI, Mount St. Mary's, uh, Wagner, LIU all coming into the league. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out in the map. But I think when it's all said and done, Siena could be a team that is right there at the top uh, when you look at the talent they bring back, and especially at those crucial positions there, uh, face-off dot, have a solid attackman, have a very, very good goalie there as well, and have some good pieces to build around that core uh, top, no, 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 uh, end to end. And so a uh, solid team there uh, for Siena as well as Hofstra. I think those are two teams that uh, maybe aren't going to get as much talk, uh, talk as some others heading into the season within their respective conferences or within that national picture, obviously being lower level teams, but two teams that really need to look out for, especially in the conference that uh, could, could do some damage and make some serious Noise. Moving on to uh, the other article that I put up last week, it was titled 10 Under the Radar Players to Watch in 2023. And I have 10 players on here, uh, but I want to look at one guy offensively and one guy defensively uh, for y'all here. Again, with Gossbucket.com, where you can go uh, read all the latest news and notes. Uh, the first guy I mentioned here and the first guy that popped into my head when writing this article was Brian Kelly, known not the LSU football coach, the attackman out of St. John's. Uh, a freshman in 2022, played on a team that obviously only won two games, didn't get a lot of love, didn't get a lot of hype or attention at all last season, despite breaking the St. John's uh, freshman scoring record. 44 points, 24 goals, 20 assists, end of the year, single season freshman point record holder, uh, a really, really phenomenal season 
for him. They're playing alongside Jonathan Huber. Uh, they're at attack for the Red Storm uh, last season. He's their top returner on offense. Expect him to take to get the keys of that offense as a sophomore to run things there from X as he did so many times last season. He's an exciting player to watch. He has the speed. He has the vision. He's a great shooter. Uh, this is a guy who does a lot of things well and certainly uh, looking forward to seeing what he can do there as the quarterback of the St. John's offense, the top returning scorer, as I mentioned, for this Red Storm team uh, that's entering its first season under Justin Terry here in 2023. And uh, Brian Kelly, one of one of numerous actually young guns there on that St. John's roster uh, that I think are going to make a pretty big impact for the Red Storm here in 2023. Many did in 2022 as well. Caden Clark, the goalie for the Red Storm as well, deserves a shout out also as a young gun there. Uh, but Brian Kelly, certainly a player that, you know, and I mentioned Brian Kelly a few months back on the podcast, the mailbag episode was asked, what's one guy I need to know that I don't know? And Brian Kelly was it. And Brian Kelly tops this list by far for me uh, with just the amount of production he had last season. And uh, coupled with the uh, minimal coverage that he got, obviously being there at St. John's, but uh, a phenomenal player in his own right. And uh, we'll see what he can do for on quote here as a sophomore in 2023. Now we go from a younger player here uh, on the offensive end to a older veteran guy here defensively. Uh, and I would say arguably the most worthy player of being on an under-the-radar list is James Leary, the LSM out of Robert Morris. Um, you know, this is a guy, he's had one heck of a career in Moon Township, PA there. Uh, the only award he's gotten the only award he's gotten is his freshman season in 2020. He was the College Cross All-Freshman Team uh, selection, uh, you know, one of those selections there. That's the only, only real, um, you know, outside of weekly awards, that's the only, like, season award that he's gotten there at RMU. But he's been all over the place as their top LSM. Uh, he's played it close at times. He's played at LSM. He's all over the field. He's an aggressive defender. Uh, he, he knows how to run the field well. And really, every time you watch RMU play, um, and especially with the style that they play, where guys can – they get running up and down the field a lot. He's a big part of that and, and continued to be a big part of that last season as well, having his best season ever there. 48 ground balls, 27 cars, turnovers. Also had six goals and assisted on two others last season. Uh, Robert Morris, a team very much that's going to be a threat in the ASUN again here in 2023. And James Leary, uh, probably the one guy that you, you might not have heard of a lot of. I've tried to talk about him a lot on this podcast. If you listen to the podcast, whenever we talk about RMU, we talk about James Leary. He does not get talked about enough about, but a, a very, very impressive player in his own right, an impactful player in his own right as a guy that can not only impact the game on the defensive end as, as a long stick midfielder, but also in transition and eventually uh, make an impact when he does cross that line, does cross into that offensive box, and uh, lets one rip 
for a goal or two. Certainly an important, impactful player to watch here for Robert Morris. Um, before we, no, I said we were going to do two, um, but, but let's go through a couple others here. Let's see. In, okay, here we go. Mitchell Dunham, uh, defenseman out of Mount St. Mary's. He's a guy that stepped in the fold as a first-time starter last season as a sophomore, uh, proved to be the top pole there uh, for a team that lost a lot of talent after that 2021 season. Uh, 27 cars turnovers, 43 ground balls. Expect much more from him here as a junior with the Mountaineers in 2023. Uh, another guy who's a sophomore in 2022, uh, Dutch Furlong, the attackman out of Bucknell. Um, was Bucknell's top point getter last season, 56 points off 36 goals and 20 assists. The leader at that attack spot of what was an offense that featured many younger pieces there on offense, a couple of freshmen as big-time playmakers for long as a sophomore, um, 13.53 goals per game as a top 20 offense last season. Bucknell's always competitive. And uh, Dutch Furlong, again this season, expects him to be right there in that mix as one of the top players in the Patriot League with the Bucknell uh, Bison there. And expect them to possibly uh, make some noise as well there in the Patriot League, as they always seem to do. One of the tougher teams to play uh, week in and week out. All right, folks, now let's move on to the scheduling preview part of this podcast and uh again I want to mention this you can listen to the podcast on apple spotify google podcast anywhere you get your podcast also join us on youtube where you can watch this uh podcast slash video as well and if you are watching on youtube hit the like button hit the subscribe button helps us grow the channel helps us grow the show and spread our love of this great game that we all adore so much. Um, and if you are watching on the video, uh, you'll be able to see my screen here in a second as I share this thing for y'all so you can see the schedules as I am talking about them. So let's get this going right here. Boom. I hope y'all can see that pretty good right there. Cornell schedule, the Cornell Big Red, they were, uh, you know, I have, if you see this on here, this, this article, December 1st, they released it. They were the 20th Division One team to release their schedule. Um, but actually, I think they released it on the 19th. I put this article came out uh, th- uh, that next morning. But uh, they were the 20th school to release their schedule. We have about 30 schools that have released it since then. So, a lot of schedules coming out, as I mentioned here, in recent uh, days, over the recent uh, you know five, six, seven days. So uh, a ton of schedules out in Cornell, being one of the bigger ones here. Um, the Big Red, obviously, coming off of that national championship appearance uh, where they lost to Maryland and, and played them as well as as anyone could expect them to. Uh, nine to seven loss there. Uh, as good as anyone had all year, I should also say. Um, and Cornell, not a lot of changes to the schedule, as you can see. Uh, 
new opponents. They've added Marquette. They dropped Colgate and Syracuse. We'll break down the Syracuse schedule here in a minute, and then we'll talk about that. Um, I, I know there's a lot of people that want some uh, want some answers. I don't have answers. I do have opinions, though. So, um, and, and I have talked to people, but I, I don't have answers. Um, Cornell opens the season on the road at Albany. They will then face Lehigh. If you remember, that game last year was like a 5-3 to three <laughs> Lehigh win. Um, uh, excuse me, a 5-3 Cornell win, I, I believe. Yeah, Cornell win. And uh, that, that was that game where, uh, you know, Coast was out for Lehigh, and Lehigh was still trying to get their offense going with with Tuna and some of those injuries they had out for the majority of the season. So really defensive-heavy game there, and uh, Cornell came out on top of that one. It was a pretty exciting game if you like defensive lacrosse. I remember watching that one back on replay, uh, and it was a February one as well. So. Uh, Cornell will then on the 28th, they end the month of February at Hobart. Obviously, a rivalry game there between those two. It uh, was an exciting game last year as well. Uh, another one where Cornell kind of came back in the second half and uh, pulled off a, you know, ran away with it there in the second half of things, uh, if I remember correctly. And then probably one of the biggest. Uh, I would say the biggest non-conference game for Cornell is their game at Ohio State. This one will be in the new Ohio State Lacrosse Stadium, which uh, looks absolutely beautiful there in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, the Cornell will be playing the Buckeyes there on March 4th this season. If you remember last year, this was a uh, not just a game, but a series between these two, where uh, Cornell played Ohio State at uh, you know in Ithaca Actual Cop Field um, in early March. They then played them Actual Cop Field again um, in May in the first round of the NCAA tournament. In that game, that was uh, uh, let's just say a lot of rain. In that game, it was the uh, that was the one couple hour weather delay. Uh, or an hour or so weather delay, I believe, in that one there, uh, but should be another exciting contest there. I'm really interested to see the face-off dot with both those teams after, um, you know, Ohio State loses uh, some pieces there. Cornell was a little wishy-washy at times there last season, so I'll be interested to see how that one goes, and I think two teams that are going to be very, very good and teams that are going to be fighting for their conference title once again here in 2023. Uh, Cornell then will play Penn State, welcoming Penn State uh, to Ithaca. This was a one-goal game last season. I'm excited to see how Penn State can bounce back after these two uh, poorest seasons. We'll see how things go here against Cornell. Um, we don't have Penn State's schedule out, but we do know a couple up there. Um, we do know that they do have Villanova. I would expect they play Yale. Uh, once again as well. So uh, a good test for Penn State and another one here. Um, and, and I think should be uh, another close game, uh, maybe even um, closer, if I could say that, with um, a more competitive throughout, I guess. Um, even though, I mean, it was a one-goal loss last year, but Penn State ended up not being very good. Um, I think Penn State's going to be better is kind of what I'm getting at here and going to be a good test for both teams. 
The Ivy League schedule remains as uh, as it is, and uh, Cornell obviously opens at Yale. Uh, that's a game they won thirteen to twelve last year. Um, you know, uh, again, could be a uh, rematch of these two later in the year, as we saw last season as well. Yale beat Cornell fourteen to eleven in the Ivy League tournament. Cornell will then play Penn, who they played at Penn last year, and if you remember. That was the game where uh, Penn really started to click, and uh, they, they outground balled the Big Red. Uh, just uh, un- kind of an unbelievable amount here. It was 46-24 to 24 Penn in the ground ball game, and, and that was a big piece of that win there for Penn as they knocked off uh, Cornell 15-11. Uh, expect that one to be an uh, exciting one as well. Uh, Cornell then will host Dartmouth, and I think you know Dartmouth is getting better, but it's still the worst uh, team in the Ivy League uh, in terms of talent holistically. I would expect Dartmouth, um, you know, to, obviously we don't know what's going to be in goal. I would expect them to be still pretty good offensively um, and, and in terms of their close defense and some of those guys they have there. Uh, but I know Cornell probably wants to get away uh, with a win, uh, not as nervous as they did last year, the eight to seven win there over the Big Green. Um, Cornell will go at Harvard, uh, with, with who they beat seventeen to nine last season. We'll see how that one goes this year. This is a uh, a Harvard team that I, I've been pretty open. I'm pretty high on, and I uh, think it will be a, a pretty good contest there between those two. Uh, they will then play. Marquette in a non-conference game and Army in a non-conference game. Uh, Marquette being in Ithaca, the Army game being on the road. Uh, need to edit that list as I believe there, obviously, but uh, the Army game non-conference, obviously. And uh, that is the one game last year where uh, we saw we saw Cornell uh, struggle. I mean, they lost that one to, to Army, and then they went and lost that one to Syracuse. Um, uh, well, they won the one against Syracuse on Monday night and then struggled against Army um, there on uh, Saturday. They did win the Syracuse game in overtime uh, last year, but they beat Army. Probably the worst game of the season was against Army. Um, you then will have uh, Cornell will play Brown and then Princeton to end the uh, Ivy League slate there. And uh, the Ivy League, again, I expect them to be pretty solid here in 2023 as they were last season. Uh, We'll see what Cornell does here in 2023. Uh, But certainly when you look at the Ivy League, Yale, Penn, Princeton, I think are going to be those top three games probably for Cornell. Harvard, we'll we'll see how that one goes. Brownlee, we'll see how that one goes. Uh, But certainly Yale, Penn, Princeton would see as the top three games in uh, conference play for Cornell here in 2023. Now let's move on to uh, Syracuse, where the Orange have announced their schedule. And obviously we saw one of the teams that was omitted from that schedule uh, being Cornell. And and we'll talk about that, as I said, here in a minute. So uh, let's get this screen share up here again for Syracuse. Yes, the Syracuse Orange have released their schedule. Not a ton of difference from last year, with the one exception, I will note. Um, 
but you do have um, a lot of home games uh, as usual. It's always 70 and sunny in the dome, the JMA wireless dome. I'm not calling it that. It's still the carrier dome to me. Um, they open the season against Vermont. Uh, going to be a good test there for the Catamounts and the Orange. We're going to get to see what this new Syracuse team looks like. All these freshmen, all these uh, transfers, these newcomers, how that's actually all going to come together, how good this team actually could be. We will then see Syracuse play Albany. Obviously, that is a series that um, you know has been pretty good, and I guess you could say recent memory. Obviously, with what Albany has been there, they have not been that uh, talented in recent years. I would assume Syracuse wins that one. Uh, then Holy Cross, another one that I would assume they win. The biggest non-conference game here for them is at Maryland. And uh, this is a game, was a 14-11 uh, win for Maryland last year in the Dome. If Syracuse is going to prove they're back, if they're going to prove that they've turned around, that they've turned the corner under Gary Gate, beating Maryland would do that. It would absolutely do that. Um, and, and, and so that one last year, and, and even like, look, last year they played Maryland close and they stunk it up the rest of the year, um, more or less. They had some high points and had some good spots beating Duke, uh, playing Army and Cornell close. But um if they want to show for sure that like we've turned things around, that Maryland game is going to be crucial there for Syracuse uh, in 2023. They will then open ACC play. Again, the ACC doing that stupid thing. You play uh, two teams twice. They play Duke twice. Um, you know, I, I don't like that. They play Duke and Carolina twice. The Carolina second Carolina game, as you can see, location TBD. Uh, they open the year against Carolina. They then host Duke on March 5th. Uh, so two ACC games there again. Syracuse, if you want to show that you've turned the corner, you want to show that you've turned around with these new faces, which I hope they have and, and I believe they have. Um, but how much so? It's going to depend on what you do in ACC play. And Carolina, Duke, two talented teams there right out of the get-go, uh, obviously the ACC, uber-talented everywhere as it is. Uh, you then have the annual rivalry game against Johns Hopkins. They're on the slate on March 11th. That's in the Dome this year. They then go to Hofstra, which an interesting wrinkle there. They went to Stony Brook last year, another trip down to Long Island. I think that's pretty good. They, they, they want to recruit Long Island. Um, They've recruited Long Island pretty well, obviously. Um, and, you know, get down there, play some games at some of those great stadiums they have down there, Hofstra uh, and Stony Brook, some of those tougher teams on Long Island. Get those kids out there. Get those Long Island kids wearing orange. And, uh, you know, I, overall, good thing. I know some people have, have talked to me and said, you know, why is Syracuse going to Hofstra? That's, that's you know, demeaning. Or, look. I like it. it. I think it's good for the game. Uh, Syracuse will then play St. Bonaventure and then the annual rivalry game against Hobart. So back-to-back A-10 teams there and that one. Uh, it's just interested to see how both those games go uh, there with both where St. Bonaventure and Hobart is heading into this season. 
You will then have the Notre Dame game then on April 1st. And then the uh, other big non-conference game, or massive non-conference game, I should say, is at Princeton. The Syracuse-Princeton series is back. I'm excited about this. Um, Princeton, we know, Chris Brown, all those guys at Slusher English. Like This is a talented, talented Princeton team. I'm interested to see how deep their defense can go again this year. Uh, you obviously lose Eric Peters and Cage, uh, but a very good Princeton team that I think has a chance to make it back to championship weekend here in 2023. Going to be a big test here for Syracuse and and possibly a big win. You know, if they do beat Princeton there, and let's say that they have some losses up up here in, in this area, maybe is that going to help them get into the NCAA tournament if they're on the bubble? I, yeah, I think it absolutely could. So uh, I, I like these late season non-conflict games. Uh, they can hurt you, obviously, but they can also help you very much as well as we've seen in recent uh, history uh, w- w- with some of these teams uh, with these late non-conference games. I can't remember who it was, but there was a Patriot League team, um, Loyola, was it, that beat Georgetown 2021, I believe, and uh, really helped them there get into the tournament despite not playing the title game with the being canceled and all that april 15th syracuse welcomes in north carolina well i shouldn't say that location tbd we'll see how well that one goes they then are at virginia and at duke to end the season two tough road games to end the year for for syracuse um no we'll see how they do against virginia and duke those are the top two teams um in my mind uh, along with like in my mind, I look at Virginia, Duke, Notre Dame. I, I think Notre Dame, uh, Duke, you could put in any order you want. Um, and I flip back on those practically every day, um, flip back and forth there. Uh, those are the three teams, top teams in the ACC. How Syracuse does against those teams um, is going to be indicative of how, you know, where this program is and uh, how this talent that they've stocked up is really working and, and how well this talent is playing and uh, doing what it needs to do to get those wins. Uh, Syracuse, are they back yet? No. Uh, but with the talent they have, they should be on their way back. How far back they how far they go in their backness in 2023 is going to depend on some of those big ACC games as well as Maryland and Princeton and, and, and you know, Hawkins as well. So uh, a, a tough schedule there for Syracuse, obviously. Uh, the one big, big piece of news there, the Princeton series is renewed. I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of that, and I've talked to many people who are big fans of that. Many uh, Syracuse alums who I've talked to in recent uh, days have said, look, we love the Syracuse-Princeton uh, series being back. That's phenomenal. It's great for the game. It's great to see both these programs back playing each other. Uh, it's great to see Princeton back at that level. Now let's see, can Syracuse get back to that level? And things will be even better. What I've also heard is, and I would agree with this, why'd you drop uh, Cornell? Why? You've played, the series dates back to 1920. They haven't played every year since then, but they've played a ton since then. Why? But why'd you drop Cornell? I don't get that. I don't get that. I don't like it. Um, you know, 
I've had some people suggest to me, well, they wanted an easier schedule. So it, but that doesn't look easy to me. Still a pretty tough schedule, even without Cornell on it. Sure, Cornell would give you one more tough game. Take off Holy Cross, put Cornell on there. That, that's another tough game. And they also dropped Army as well, I should mention. Syracuse Army, Syracuse Cornell, not happening this year. I don't know why, um, but from my understanding, it, Syracuse dropped them. Not, it, it, not the other way around, um, at least in the Cornell situation. Army, there may have been a conflict. I'm, I'm not sure. But I don't know. It's, it, it's been dropped. The series has been dropped right now. Um, you know, I feel the same way about this as I did when uh, Hopkins and Virginia, the Doyle Smith Cup, when they uh, they they ultimately got the it was renewed, but they dropped it in 2020, and that that game never happened, obviously. But um, yeah, when they dropped that one, I was not a fan of that as well, and uh, thought it was terrible. I think it's 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 you know you have certain blue blood programs, you have certain rivalries that define the sport. Syracuse Cornell for me is one of those. Um, that, that 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 you look to every year and say, Syracuse Cornell, let's go. This is a this is a game where you saw last year, Syracuse was not very good. Um, Cornell was a good team. It was a one goal game. It was an overtime game. Those two teams play hard when they play against each other. Uh, it doesn't really matter who who's good, who's not. Um, you know where these teams are at. It's certainly better when both teams are at, at the peak of their of their game, but. Uh, Syracuse Cornell series is uh, one that that defines the sport and, and one that's really really embedded into the fabric of this game. I think carrying that apart, um, it's built, it's embedded in the fabric of those two programs. I mean, having talked to many people um, around both Cornell and Syracuse, uh, you know, fans, uh, alums, you know, former players, uh, of you know, very recent. I mean, having talked to some of those people and hearing some of the things they had to say, I mean. It's nobody likes it. Uh, Q's people don't like it. Cornell people don't like it. I, I don't know why why it happened. Um, I, I don't have that information for y'all, but I, you know, it's it's bad. I, I think you have these things that define the sport, and rivalries are one of them. Syracuse Cornell is one of those rivalries that helps define the sport and its history, and you see what those two programs have been. And those two programs playing each other every year, the way they do, and, and, and the level of competitiveness in those games typically helps define the sport and helps give the sport part of the fabric, part of the tradition uh, that it has. Taking that away and pulling that apart, I, I don't think is a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea. I hope and pray this is just a uh, just a one-time thing. Um, but if it's not and, and this thing's gone for good, which I, I again, I I really, really hope it's not. Um, but if they go two, three years without this, even, I, I think, you know, I think that's terrible for the game. I think you need this, this Syracuse Cornell rivalry. It's, uh, you know, w- one of the big ones out there, as I've said. And it's just, it, 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 it's a real shame that it, it had to be cut or dropped or, or whatever um, this season. Right, it's shame, shame. Um, hate to end on kind of a somber note there, but uh, you know, as always, you can connect with us on social media 
at lacrossebucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season. And as I've said multiple times in this episode already, you can listen to the Lacrosse podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can also watch on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up button. Hit the subscribe button if you are watching on the YouTube channel. All right, folks, that's it for today's episode. We'll see y'all on Thursday.